My name is Mimi Bouchard, and I'm a personal development junkie that is here to help you transform your life so that you can truly tap into your ultimate potential. I'm a meditation teacher and a podcaster, and in this podcast, I am raw, I am real, and I share everything I possibly can to make this journey of self-discovery and transformation easier for you. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. We have a very special guest on today, Madame Makosi, aka the Royal Shaman. How are you doing today? I am absolutely fabulous because I have not been doing much today. And that's always amazing. Thank you for having me on, Mimi. I'm so excited about this. I'm so excited too. And I can't wait to learn more about your story. And from what I've seen so far, you are a hub full of knowledge. You are incredibly inspiring. Um, for everyone that's listening right now, Makosi is an extreme pioneer in the domain of personal development and energetic alignment. She's a human potential expert and a spiritual ascension master. And I I'm really excited to to talk to you about everything that you study, everything that you teach. Um, as you know, I'm also really into personal development. So is everyone listening right now? So this is going to be totally up our alley. Um, so let's begin by just kind of elevator pitch. You know, what's your story kind of in a few minutes? Like how have you become the person you are today and, and what happened for you to get there? Yeah, it's very interesting that I've, I've really been pulled and called into this role, sometimes uh, kicking and screaming. (laughs) It has been um, a a really interesting journey. But I think the thing that people find most interesting or most fascinating about me is I really, for most of my life, lived two lives kind of simultaneously. I had one aspect of me that was the more forward-facing, high-achiever aspect. And then I also had from a very young age, spiritual gifting or uh, spiritual knowledge, so on and so forth. I literally came into this life remembering the last time that I was here. And so I wouldn't say that I was hiding that aspect of me. It's just that like pretty much all of us, Depending on the family that we grow up in, the environment that we're around, how we perceive we need to be in order to survive, stay connected, become successful, we will literally focus our energy on certain aspects of ourselves and suppress others and maybe not lead with those. And so my story has really been um, this merging and integration of the different aspects of myself and elevator pitch. That is now what I support others in doing specifically high performers who have already created a certain level of success in their life. Um, but they're left with this feeling of, Uh, I know that I am here for more, but I don't know what more is because I already have what most people would deem as success. And that's what I call life beyond achievement. Wow. Well, we need to talk. Um, (laughs) You know, it's so funny because 
and I'm, I'm trying, I try to be very open about this as well. Like if I'm having a low day or if something's happening, but I, you know, I've changed my life over the past five years or so. And, and especially from the outside, it seems like I have it all, you know, the relationship I live in a beautiful place on an Island. I have a career. I, you know, all these things sound like the perfect ideal life. And I do feel very grateful and especially incredibly grateful for my past self for putting in the work and it feels very deserved, but there are, there are many misconceptions I have found. You know, I used to think when I got to this point, all the problems would go away and I'd be magically perfectly happy. But some people are very shocked to know, um, that it's still a lot of hard work to feel bliss and happiness and joy every day. It's the same amount of work as it always has been, no matter what changes in the exterior parts of my life. So I'd love to touch on this a little bit, you know, when it comes to you coaching people, you teaching this, what do you say when someone that from the outside has it all, or has a lot of blessings in their life? What do you tell them when they still can't shake the feeling of not feeling happy every day, that it still is a struggle and they are still battling with themselves a lot of the time? Yeah. The very first thing that we have to recognize is we have this like love hate relationship with success, meaning that in society, we all dream and strive for a certain level of success. And then when we have hit that, it can sometimes feel like now all of a sudden we're on the other side or now everyone is against us, so on and so forth. And there is something to that in the way that we perceive success. But what is really important to understand, what I see happening, there's this pattern of I've created success and I I need to maintain it, which is a real thing. Once you've had a certain experience that becomes like your mm, minimum capacity of what you're willing to experience in life but we also tend to disconnect more. One of the things that I realized, especially over the last few weeks, is there tends to be one of two paths once you have, um, this is when you enter what I call the void. It's where you have everything externally and not everything, but everything that would be your basic needs being met and then some. And then you hit what I call the void. And that is where up feels like down, in feels like out. You you no longer know where where you are going because you're now entering into a domain that requires a very different way of being, a different paradigm, a different way of interacting with the world. Because before, everything that you were doing was in order to get something that you had in your mind, something you could see but the mind only can copy what it's seen before. But who you're here to be has never been before. So you have to go about stepping into that highest calling with, I mean, spiritually, we call this self-transcendence, right? Self-actualization is like becoming all that you can be. That's where it starts. And then it moves into self-transcendence, where now you are um, evolving past who you are as a human being. Mm. And do they and, have in that order? Yes. Okay. It typically will have, not every single time, 
but it tends to happen in an order. It's also why um, I really tend to only work with high performers because usually, not always, but it can be very difficult to go on that exploration if you don't have your basic needs met, like family connection, friend connection, so on and so forth. But I see that people tend to take one of two roads, either this or that. And one of those roads is, okay, in order to go to my calling, I have to disconnect from and let go of the people who I perceive are standing in my way or the aspects that I think are blocking me from that. Or they try to preserve the connections at any cost and sacrifice the calling, sacrifice really who they are here to be at the highest potential, the highest capacity in order to stay connected, to stay safe. My perspective and the paradigm that I bring and support others into coming into is an integrated both and reality where we look at how do you follow the path that your highest calling is having you step onto, not knowing what the end result is. Takes so much surrender to get there. Yeah. While also honoring your connections, your love in life. How, How long does it take for anyone listening? And they're like, okay. And I know that's like the ego coming in. Like how long does it take impatience? But honestly, like, I guess everyone's different, but is it sometimes just a light switch where it's a change of mindset and you just switch? And then are other people, sometimes it takes years. Like what is like the general like time frame when it comes to evolving or ascending into the next level of yourself? So I have to be really clear that there is a difference between what I'm calling the void and let's just say a natural evolution. Like you've just kind of, mm, stepped into this evolution where, okay, maybe what I'm doing right now isn't the best use of me. And so I'm going to just change a little bit. Most people are going through that. The void happens um, mainly when somebody is really called to be of service in a, in a much bigger way, like a collective humanity way tends to be the more visionary types of people that have what I call the void. Now, as for how long it takes, I've spent a ton of time really researching this and also witnessing it in my clients. Number one, I've, I've seen that very few people get through it without support. I look at, um, and I hate to go like this dark, but I have no problem talking about like all the dark taboo stuff. Um, There's a reason why there's such high suicide rates in doctors, in um, acting circles, musicians, so on and so forth. Those people are experiencing the void and they have no one there that knows how to navigate that. It isn't just like, oh, they were having, you know, some, some mental problems. Yes, that's peace. But there's a very specific way that they need supported to move into what their highest calling in is, because it's not just 
the music or, you know, it's not just the job. Our Dharma is not what we do. So there are some people who, number one, don't ever make it through the void. Sounds really scary, but it's true. The other piece as well is that there are some people who, because they never surrender to the process or they never are able to connect with someone who can support them through that, literally experience it their entire life. And if you believe in reincarnation, then come back and do it again until they get it. Um, As for when someone has complete surrender to the process, it will really depend on how attached and like stuck they are in being right. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've seen it take anywhere from a very short period of time, like 30, 60, 90 days to five months, six, six months, nine months. It also correlates to as well, how much you are in a state of being that is all about your worth being connected to what you do. Mm -hmm. Because you're probably at that point experiencing some burnout. And usually your spirit is going to be like, all right, we need you to sit down and listen for the next three months, five months, whatever. You have no idea how long it's going to take. But the more that you just let go, the faster it takes. Wow. It could happen super fast. Okay. So what kind of things do you do in this process? Obviously you're coaching your hands-on with this client or this person. Are you doing deep journaling, shadow work? Are you meditating? What are some of the things that if people even can't afford to have a coach at home, they can kind of start doing, I guess, at home themselves? Um, What are some of these tasks that you believe are very helpful when it comes to becoming the ultimate you? Yeah. I mean, you can for sure utilize tools like meditation. Um, My favorite is dance, especially like ecstatic dance, um, shaking, hypnotherapy, so on and so forth. Utilizing the tools is absolutely very helpful, but it's also really important to understand that this isn't just about the tools. Like we love, we love, especially here in the West, we so badly want a quick fix like pill. And really what I'm talking about is a paradigm, a very different way of viewing things. And so even if you don't have the ability to, let's say, pay to work with someone, just following someone who has gone through through that process. Like um, one name I'll throw out there that I see is, is really great is Sadhguru. Excellent, 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 because he's sharing a paradigm, not just how to do X, Y, Z. He's really sharing a perspective, a way of seeing the world that is applicable. Mm -hmm. Um, The other piece as well is understand that your reality is always showing you yourself. (laughs) So most of us try to like ignore the present and either focus on the past, like what was happening in the past, all that trauma, all that baggage, or we are solely focused on the future not understanding that 
in the present moment is actually all that exists. Yeah. And our higher self is communicating to us in each and every moment through the experiences that we're having. Our I, I call it our obstacles to our opportunities, really. What are the obstacles that are popping up in your life? What are those telling you about who you believe that you are, that you have to be, that you should be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, powerful, incredibly powerful. You know, as a visionary, someone that loves to strive towards goals, I, I like to think that my sweet spot is being like, I, someone said it before, like blissfully dissatisfied, forget who said it, but it's like being so in love with life in the moment, but still wanting to strive towards the next level of you and having, and I I think it's such a human thing to have that need and desire for becoming and evolving, continuing to, while also being happy in the present moment. What are your thoughts on that? Because, you know, living fully in the moment is one thing, but then living in the moment with also just in the back of your mind, future vision and goals. Uh, I'd love to know your take on this because I personally have found that I'm more, I lean towards the latter, but I would, I would love to hear your, your opinion. Yeah. For me, it's a both and experience as well. To me, that's what I'm talking about is that's a both and paradigm where I am literally in this moment and enjoying the journey while simultaneously allowing for my evolution and and becoming to happen. So it isn't like, I know some people, (laughs) some people come and they're like, oh, I just want to like completely throw all my long-term goals out and, you know, just like completely be present. It's just that we have to understand for each of us, there's different medicine depending on who we have been. So if we have lived solely in the future, it's going to be really important that you begin to bring in practice in presence, right? Or if you have been solely in the present moment and like never planning anything and never really, you know, shooting to evolve in any sort of way, your medicine is going to need to be future visioning right? So it really all boils down to recognizing that everything is always becoming, everything is always in a process of transformation. It's just us. It's up for us to know what is the medicine that we need in this moment. Like I was just having a conversation with a client who was like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad because I was traveling and now I just want to watch TV when I know that I should be doing shadow work. Well, this is someone who is always feeling like she needs to be working on something. And I'm like, no, in this moment, please let yourself rest, watch TV, let yourself like just be in the moment. There's always going to be more shadow work you can do. (laughs) that's always going to be there. So our problems tend to come when we add layers of like judgment and opinion on just 
what is. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm really curious to know your thoughts on this next topic, because I'm trying to think of how, what you can say that will benefit the audience the most. And I feel like you're obviously so deeply insightful. So I'm trying to think of an issue or something that a lot of our listeners are trying to overcome as a mostly female audience, late twenties to mid to late forties is the general consensus of who listens to this podcast. A lot of women struggle with self-consciousness, struggle with body dysmorphia, uh, not feeling good enough, being judgmental towards how they feel and how they look and not being truly confident because of that. What are your thoughts on that, on body image and just self-rejection when it comes to a lot of women struggling with that and basing their worth on their looks on such an extreme level? I would love to know your thoughts on this and any advice you have for women listening that are feeling less than enough. Yeah. I, number one, think it's really important to take a moment to just have empathy and compassion for yourself because we live in a society that number one hasn't valued the feminine aspect and has commoditized our existence. Um, It isn't just the feminine because actually all of us are uh, trained very young that are that we're here to be productive citizens, that our value is based on how much we can produce, right? And for men, that tends to be how much they can do, like their job, their, their identity, their career. For us, it tends to be um, based on like our physicality, right? How uh, how big our boobs are and how small our waist is and how long we can hold on to our attractiveness that every year seems to be changing <laughs> and we have zero control over it. So first and foremost, giving yourself the permission of compassion. The second thing as well is understanding that simple consciousness, simple awareness of what you are doing, how you are thinking, how you are feeling actually begins to change reality. So we always are looking for like, oh, I need to do all of these things. But if we look at, I'm a a little bit of a science, um, science geek myself. If we look at the split test experiment that happened and you don't have to understand it to really benefit from it. But essentially what that experiment showed us was the minute that we look at something, that something begins to change. We just simply have to look Mm -hmm. at the something, right? So allowing yourself to get very aware to the dialogue that's happening in your mind and understand that you are not that dialogue because there has to be an awareness that's actually hearing that inside. Yeah. Making that distinction is earth shattering that, oh my gosh, these thoughts that I'm having are not actually my, I'm not having those thoughts. 
They are thoughts that are playing in my head. I'm the awareness that's hearing those thoughts. What was that study? It was, it was that scientists were actually like researching a clump of cells and whether or not a human would pay attention to it, they would change shapes and evolve in a weird way. And obviously there've been countless studies on like plants, you know, saying nice words to, to one plant, saying mean words to another, giving different energies to it. Um, it's so true. So even just in the way that I, I've bring it back to just a personal anecdote story, you know, I used to struggle a lot more with body image issues and feeling self-conscious to an extreme level. And when I started just acting as if I already felt good about myself looking in the mirror and not saying something mean, just maybe saying something nice, even if it was something small about myself that I loved, that's when everything started adjusting and changing. And I honestly think I've changed how I look so much since I used to hate myself five years ago. Um, Physically, I've changed a lot. Uh, You know, everything, my features have changed is weird. So yeah, just to bring it back to that, you're so right. It's, it's very interesting to notice that when you pay attention to something, it seems to change or even grow, right? Like it makes it just such a bigger deal in your mind. Um, That's another way of thinking about it. So yeah. Yes. Yes. I love that. And number one, you absolutely can begin to change aspects. Like my body for sure is very different than how it was five years ago or even 10 years ago. I actually feel like it looks better physical, like physically it looks better now than when I had my son 10 years ago. And typically we, we think that that can't be the case, but it really can. So just allowing ourselves, if you understand that, yes, what you focus on grows, you can intentionally focus on the, the, even if it's something very small, you know, I, I, I like my lips. I have beautiful lips. And with those lips, I'm able to wear these fabulous lipsticks and so on and so forth. And and really allowing yourself to play in that arena versus focusing on everything that's wrong. Yeah. At mm-hmm. least in your perception, because it's not, it's made absolutely perfectly imperfect. None of us are meant to be perfect. Right. And it's all about our energy anyway. Like when you meet someone and they might not be conventionally society standard attractive, when you meet someone and their energy is intoxicating and their confidence and what they embody is just like attractive, (laughs) you forget about how they look like your energy introduces you before you even speak. So, so many women, even myself, sometimes and definitely myself in the past worry about how we look, you know, whether we put on weight or this or that, and just like, so worried about how we look when it's like, if only we knew that our energy introduces us and has more of an impact on how others see us more than our looks, then we would be maybe instead of criticizing ourselves before going out doing like a three minute meditation to feel confident and embody that future self energy, or, you know, saying 10 things that we love about ourselves and just to tap into that vibration. And it's so true. Anyone will, you know, will say it. Like if you meet 
super gorgeous guy at a bar, but he doesn't have that like intoxicating energy and he's just a bit bland. And then you see his friend who isn't conventionally attractive, but he's charming and confident and bubbly and just that positive energy, you're going to be more attracted to the other one. And it's, it just shows that looks really don't matter that much. Like they really don't, they really don't. So true. (laughs) One of my favorite things that I explore, um, because I, I have an innate femme fatale energy, which is, mm, one of the most misaligned feminine archetypes, essentially. Oh, Um, I would love to hear more about this. Yeah. So the premise is, is number one, that all of us have varying degrees of all of the archetypes. We are all everything, but in varying degrees, and we can allow certain aspects to come out more or less. And the femme fatale energy has at its core the feminine magnetic principle, the most seductive and also creative energy because yin energy is life force, creative energy. And so it magnetizes and all of us have access. If you're a yin essenced person, especially you have access to that energy. The challenge with it is the way society has perceived the art of seduction as being something that's demonic or slutty or dangerous for men, right? Like that's why women need to cover up because Men just can't help themselves when they're around the the feminine seductress, right? If we begin to embrace that aspect of of ourselves, really, no matter how you look, you know, conventionally beautiful or not, it is a power that we wield and literal kingdoms have been built. Like Beyonce talked about this. <laughs> what is the name of that song where she was talking about it? Um, Run the world, girls. Yeah. She literally is speaking in that song about this innate power that all of us have access to. It just requires that we accept our sensual nature. It requires that we Um, allow ourselves to connect with our creative aspect, whether that is through dance. Mine is, mine is dance. Dance is my meditation. Um, It could be painting. It could be um, interior design style, like fashion. That's also another one of mine cooking um, certain types of, of sport, so on and so forth. Gardening. All of these help us to connect with the natural flow of existence. And when we are allowing ourselves to embody that energy, which you, yes, you can do it through affirmations is another really great way um, and meditations, but it's really allowing yourself to embody that even when nobody's looking, that is what makes you 
magnetic and it will override even how you think you have to look in order to score, you know, that ideal partner or that ideal opportunity, so on and so forth. Cool. Yeah. So insightful. I couldn't agree more. Very, very cool. So the last thing I want to touch on with you is about your abilities and gifts and whether you feel you were born with it, how other people can tap into their spiritual side, their deep intuition, maybe some stories on how you've started realizing that you were maybe a little bit different, um, seeing and feeling different things. I'd love to know a bit more about that. Yeah. Um, from a very young age, I definitely knew that there was something off or like different or unique about me because I, number one, I grew up in small town, Southern West Virginia, mixed race. My mom was a single teen mom. I stuck out like a sore thumb. I dealt with racism. Basically every week, somebody was saying something racist or doing something ridiculous. So from that very young age, I was constantly faced with not fitting in. So I also had these experiences very young. I was um, seeing non-physical beings. And at first, it was mainly um, animals at first, like birds, squirrels, um, just those sorts of things. But it was always like very faint. Sorry. Yes. It's okay. Uh, It was always really faint and I really just kind of discounted it. It wasn't until around 12 years old, someone gifted me a tarot deck and I just started reading tarot for kids at my middle school and I picked them up intuitively and I would just start reading people. I never learned how to read tarot. I just utilized my connection with the card to just see, quote unquote, see. And I began at that point, once I started working with tarot, um, I started to just know things about people. I could just see things like a really great example of this. My, uh, my stepdad had a friend who he always brought over. He was a pretty handsome guy, was very popular and like well-liked at the time I'm like 12, 13. And I told my mom, I said, please don't ever leave me in a room alone with him because he's molesting young girls. How did you know that? You just had this deep feeling that he was bad news. I could, I just knew. And it wasn't until like six, seven years later that I found out. Yes. That's exactly what he was doing. He ended up doing time, so on and so forth. And your mom just was like, yep. My mom luckily trusted me. She was like, well, if you don't feel right about that, okay. What is um, Yeah. But it was really when I was 15 that everything catapulted for me. Um, my best friend was murdered when I was 15 years old, a week before school started. We had just got back from... Um, a trip to Myrtle beach the week before. And a few days after we had got back from that trip, 
she and I went with a friend. He, he had a car. <laughs> and of course, that's a big thing when you're 15. Our friend picked us up in his new car and we just went driving around and we pulled off at this parking lot. And I just was sitting in the back seat and I told her, I said, Christy, I just, I have this really bad feeling like something bad is about to happen. And number one, you need to tell your mom that you're pregnant at the time she was pregnant and hadn't told her mother yet. And I said, you need to stop seeing the guy that she was with. Oh. And she was like, I know, I know. And that was just a few days before she was shot. And she was shot on a Friday. They ended up pulling the plug on Saturday because, you know, it, it she was physically alive, but brain dead. And her mother, I had to be the one to tell her mother in the, at the hospital, in the ICU. Oh my God. Um, before that, before she made any decisions, I was like, you need to know that she's pregnant. And, um, her mother decided to pull the plug and I will never judge her for that because there's, I mean, it was your, your, her child, but I ended up returning home. I had spent the night with a friend who lived close to the hospital. I went home and that night it was like eight, eight thirty, nine o'clock, which is early. This is on a Saturday. It had been summer and I'm 15. So it was early evening. And right as the sun, after the sun went down, I'm getting ready for bed. And she appeared at the end of my bed. I like, have body goosebumps. Yeah. She was there. And she, just, looked, she looked like you were like, oh, what are you doing here? Yes. Like literally not a quote unquote ghost in that you could see through, like there's like transparency. No, she was there just as solid as you and me. And I immediately, my very logical self, I start pinching myself. I start rubbing my eyes trying to get myself to wake up. Cause I'm like, maybe I fell asleep or something, but I was feeling pain was and she, she laughed. Did she, she laughed? Yeah. So she laughed at me, but there was no sound, no audible sound. And then she started communicating with me telepathically and said, without her lips moving, I just came to let you know that I'm okay. And that I'm, I'm moving on. And she said, goodbye. And then kind of dissolved. And I was shook. I just, my whole world changed at that moment because that was the moment that I realized, number one, I wasn't crazy all those years before. <laughs> and number two, I understood that the non-physical realm is more real than this realm. And from that point on, my gifts ex started accelerating. I began to um, see higher level spirits after that, what some would call um, like gods and goddesses, angels, so on and so forth. Those kinds of beings started coming into my reality. I did have a stint where, you know, I made the mistake of going to... <laughs> a psychologist who then referred me to a psychiatrist and they were like, Oh, you need drugs. Cause you're schizophrenic. 
And I was like, no, I'm okay. Um, just, I took just them. For, for, the fact of the matter that you saw your friend before you even knew that she passed away, right? No, no. This was after. Oh, so after. she had, they pulled the plug around like three in the afternoon. Oh, this is okay. maybe like five hours, five to six hours after. Well, they either way you saw her and you were rubbing your eyes, pinching yourself. You weren't asleep like that. That's more proof than anything. You know, like maybe you doubted yourself before, but that in itself, that's pretty much solid concrete fact. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I did go through periods of time where I doubted. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe this isn't something. And I wanted, actually, I really wanted to believe that. <laughs> I really wanted to believe that I was crazy, but that ended up evolving. And eventually, um, ultimately when I was in my uh, senior year of college, I decided not to go to medical school because I had a, a baby and um, I started in direct sales and I skyrocketed to success. And at that peak of having all of the success, the tall, dark, handsome husband, the beautiful son, the house, like the life that everyone thinks that they want. And even though I was absolutely grateful and happy, I knew that there was more. So I started asking the universe, who am I? What am I here for? Like, what is the meaning of all of this? And the universe started bringing synchronicities. I just was brave enough to surrender to those and follow them without knowing what the end result was going to be. I never, ever, ever had an intention of like, I'm going to become a shaman. I'm going to go through initiation. And I spent five years um, in initiation process in order to get to this place, traveling back and forth to Africa, spending lots of time, energy, money in the process. And I'm still in a surrendered state, just allowing for what you would call, I call them my spirit squad, but my spirit guides, ancestors, all of those behind me to really show me where to place my foot next. And I don't know where I'm going always. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What an amazing story. You have such incredible life experience. It, it really just, I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. I, I just, your energy is something else. Like you, you, I feel like you embody this like maternal wise, positive, loving energy that I just, it's very intoxicating. So thank you for coming on and sharing your beauty with everybody. And, um, I would love to have you on again at some point. Where can everyone find you if they want to connect with you further um, and learn more about what you do? Oh, thank you so much. These days, the easiest place to find me is on the Instagrams at the Royal Shaman or my website, theroyalshaman.com. Cool. Well, everyone go check it out. Thank you so much again for coming on.